Our scripture reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, and then verses 11 to 16. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into he who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and the building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We have been uh, talking, learning over the last three weeks or so about the roots of our Methodist tradition. Uh, and we, we talked the first week about prevenient grace, God's grace that goes before us, that that is at work in our lives even before we know to respond to it. We, we talked about the justifying grace that, that uh, calls our hearts to God, and we respond and receive that grace for ourselves and are, are born again, born anew in Christ Jesus. And then we talked about sanctifying grace last week. Sanctifying grace is that lifelong process of Christian formation, of constant conversion, that we are not justified by faith, one and done, say, check Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I am done, check with Jesus, but rather our lives are, are a process of growing in God's grace. So these were the sort of central theological tenets that Wesley started with, this idea that God's grace is moving and active in our lives, that we respond to that grace, and that we then live in that grace in this process of sanctification, or what he sometimes called going on to perfection in love. Now, all of that is nice sort of theological background, but then how do you do it? How do you live out this Christian faith? And of course, Wesley being, oh, so methodical, uh, came up with a plan. We always have a plan here in the Methodist Church. He came up with a plan for Christian formation. And for Wesley, he firmly believed that there was no such thing 
as a solitary Christian. No such thing as a solitary Christian, that we are Christians in community with one another. And the only way to grow in one's faith is to bind yourselves to one another in a community of accountability and in a community of grace. So, you know, I, I will often say, hear from people, you know, let's say, oh, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I worship at the beach, or I worship on the golf course, and all of that is, is fine and good. I sure hope that you worship in, in any and all of those places. But our formation as Christians is tied up in one another. It's how we do faith together that matters. And so, so Wesley said, and, and, and only because this is the starting place, in the church, in the classes, as Wesley uh, led, this was where we did Christian formation so that we got some practice and got good at it, got our training wheels on, got to where we could ride without wobbling so that we could go out into the world and live as Christians in community with others. So we come in here in, in a the ancient, uh, an ancient word for a church choir was the scola, the school for learning to sing the mass. And so uh, it wasn't that the choir were the experts, it's that they were in school. And here we are, we are in, in school where we learn to worship God and to serve God so that we can go out of here and, and do that work together. So Wesley, in his infinite... Uh, uh, wisdom and um, methodicalness. Uh, you notice we're saying methodicalness, Methodistness with Wesley a lot. Uh, he put everybody in classes. And classes were small groups. Lots of churches have, have grabbed onto the Methodist DNA in recent uh, years. But small groups of about 12 people. And in order to be a Methodist, Remember, in, in Wesley's day, the Methodist movement was a movement. It wasn't a church or a denomination. It was simply a movement. And in order to be a part of the Methodist movement, you had to attend a class every week. And the classes were not really about education. It wasn't that we went to a Bible study to learn about the Bible. No, we went for spiritual formation. And so the classes met once a week. And uh, if you went to a class, you got a ticket once a quarter that said you had attended. And they would literally mark the tickets every week. And, and if, your, if your ticket wasn't marked, you weren't really a Methodist. So there was, some, there was a lot of accountability here. And the, 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 the tickets would look and kind of be about this size. They were printed by the Methodist Publishing House. And they usually had some kind of a scripture passage on it and some reminders of what it meant to, to follow Christ. Uh, lots of reminders about last week we talked about our works of mercy and works of piety. And they would remind folks about that. So you would go to class. You would check in with your group leader and your group. And the primary question that we would discuss would be, how is it with your soul? You might stop to ponder that. 
We might say that today, how is it with your spiritual life? Are you growing in your spiritual life? Or are you stagnant? Have you stopped growing? And the way that, that Wesley and his Methodists would talk about your soul would be to look at those works of mercy and works of piety. Are you on the works of piety side? Are you working on your spiritual devotion? Are you praying? Are you committing to Bible study? Are you in worship each week? Are you receiving the sacraments? Piety. Or works of mercy. Are you actively expressing your faith through works of love and compassion and justice? Are you feeding the poor? Are you caring for the sick? Are you visiting those who are imprisoned? This would be how Wesley would, would, would assess. How is it with the people called Methodists? How is it with your soul? Are you attending to all of these things? You, Wesley would put a high bar on what it meant to be a Christian. It wasn't just sort of this, you know, this low-grade celebrating Easter and Christmas or going to church on Sundays. It was going to classes, but the classes were just to check to make sure that you were also attending to those works of mercy and piety. You can see there was this high expectation and indeed a high calling to lead a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it wasn't something we just casually tossed off as something we, we kind of do when it's convenient for us but rather it is a calling to follow Christ, to let that grace sink in and permeate and infuse everything we do in our whole lives, not just on Sunday morning, but out in our families, out in our communities, in our country, in our world. Are we guided by love and grace? Are we led by compassion and mercy? These are the things that Wesley was just passionate about and passionate about for the people called Methodists. And so you would go to these weekly meetings and people would hold one another accountable in a way that would make all of us very uncomfortable these days. If you were to, I I won't even make you do it because you would just be so uncomfortable. If you were to turn to your neighbor and say, how is it with your soul? It's a very personal question, isn't it? This happened every week. Are you attending to the works of mercy and piety in your life? And then to be willing to allow your fellow classmates to challenge you and say, you know, I'm not sure that you're really being attentive to your prayer life. I'm not seeing you serving the poor. I'm not sure that we're active enough in the community Oh, it's a high bar. Most of us are so individualistic that we don't want to, we don't think our actions, anybody should have any say whatsoever on the way that we behave in the world. But for Wesley and for those early Methodists, that was just part and parcel is that we held one another. We held one another in love. The, the, the work of the communities was to hold one another accountable in love, not in judgment, not in shame on you, not any of that nonsense, but in a sense of love, that you, you love Christ and you want to grow in your faith. So how is that going for you? How is it with your soul? Now, another um, way that the early Methodists looked at this 
was with what they called the, the, the general rules of discipleship. Does anybody know what the general rules of discipleship are? Okay. This is good Methodist talk here, people. <laughs> the first one is to do no harm. That is, to avoid all evil and anything that would cause harm to any other person or group of persons. That is, Christians, that is the first thing we should avoid. Avoid any harm. Do not cause harm to anybody. The second general rule of discipleship for Wesley was to do good. Be kind and merciful and just in all of your actions. Whatever you do, let it be guided by love, he would say. And then the third one was attend to the ordinances of God. And that includes scripture and study and prayer and worship. A few years ago, they, uh, there was a book out just called Three Simple Rules. Do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. This is, this is in our part and parcel of our Methodist DNA. It's who we are. But as I, I led a study on that uh, a few years ago, and we discovered how hard it was to do no harm. That there are so many things in our world that do harm, that do harm to our neighbors, that do harm to our environment, that do harm to systems of justice in our world. And we need to think about how do we do no harm in the world? And then to do good. Phew. There's a lot that needs to be done. There is so much pain and suffering in the world, some of it caused by, by humans, and we need to look at those systems that, that cause pain and suffering. That goes back to do no evil. But how is it that we are doing good? How are we sharing love and compassion and mercy in the world? And then stay in love with God, because that is the root of all of it. We would have a hard time facing the evil and injustice and oppression in the world if it were not for a commitment to God's love and mercy, to be grounded in God's grace in our lives allows us to do all of this other stuff. And so it becomes a, a sort of foundation for our lives. And so those weekly meetings bound the early Methodists together. And the beautiful thing was this was a remi- revival movement, and people were so excited about this. They were so excited to have some sort of handles to put on their faith, to say, yes, I, I, I want to grow in my faith. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to just kind of stay the same Christian for, for the next 20 years that I was 20 years ago, but rather I want to be growing in God's grace. I want to be learning. I want to be, I want to be grounded. I want to be held accountable when I am straying from the path. And this just caught on like wildfire all over England and all over the colonies and the early uh, decades, the early first century of our country, two centuries of our country. This movement caught on like wildfire. People wanted to live life in community, wanted to hold one another accountable in community. Issues began to divide the church. Wesley was strictly um, against slavery, and in the American South, that became an issue. And again, against slavery because it causes harm. 
And you cannot love God and your neighbor and yourself and cause harm to another human being. And so Wesley was against that, and that divided the church. Um, Wesley was long dead by the time the American Civil War came along, but that sense in the Methodist ethos of who we were going to be in the world, this, this thing that started out as a revival movement became an institutional church. And when things become institutional, they can sometimes get stagnant and stuck. Um, And so the movement that was full of life and energy and challenge became settled and landed and worried about their buildings and their property and their organizational maintenance and less about what was going on in the world and how they were furthering the purposes of the gospel. And so we split, and we split, and we split, and then we came back together a couple, well, 1968, we became the United Methodist Church. We came back together. There is talk yet again of a schism in the church, this time over issues around human sexuality. We'll talk more about that later. But we always must go back. We always must go back to those general rules. How is it that we as a church are attending to one another's souls? How are we attending to works of piety and mercy in our own spiritual lives? And how are we as individuals and as a church doing no harm, doing good, and staying in love with God? There is so much we can say about all this, and I've given us a lot to chew on. And so this week, I just want you to sort of just make a note to yourself. How is it with your soul? How are you growing in God's grace and mercy and compassion? How are you attending to the works of mercy in your life? And how are you attending to the works of piety in your life, both internally and in your, your life in the world. Friends, we are, share a high calling in Christ. It is a calling born of grace, born of God's love that comes before us, God's grace that infuses our lives, God's love that calls us to follow Christ. It's not an easy calling, It's a calling that challenges us and pushes us and and sort of pokes us sometime and says, where are you going? Where is your soul at? Has your soul strayed from the gospel of Jesus Christ? Come on back. Come on back. God is waiting. This is the place and this is the time. Let us bring our hearts to God Let us bring our souls to God, and let us recommit ourselves to Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, you have entrusted us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, a gospel of love and compassion, a gospel that brings healing and wholeness to broken people and broken institutions. We thank you that you have entrusted us with this profound gift of grace. 
Call us, God, to be your church, to hold one another in love and compassion, to serve one another with grace and humility, to bear witness to your love, doing no harm, doing good, grounded in your grace. Help us, God, to share all of that, not just in this this place, God, but out in the world. May our lives bear witness to your love. For we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.